1: Because DLC is here wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We are so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Casper, Gamefly, and Mac Weldon. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show. All about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who spent another evening with an unspoken Emmy acceptance speech in his pocket. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Welcome back.
0: Thanks, man. Hey, Jeff. Hey, listeners and people in the U.S., if you are happy with how your senator might vote on the Graham-Cassidy healthcare bill, call and let them know. And if you are unhappy with how you believe they are going to vote, call and let them know. And if you don't know what the Graham-Cassidy amendment is to the health care bill in the United States, take a little time to educate yourself and then call your senator and let them know how you feel.
1: Yeah, it might be too late by the time you hear this, but yes, please do. Um,
0: Hey! It won't be too late by the time you hear this. It definitely how will not are be you? too late.
1: Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, how are you, Christian? You were you were gone last week. How are things?
0: I am great. I have some notes uh, from last week's show. It was fun. Last week, I got to yell at my uh, headphones on the airplane as I listened to you guys. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here.
1: I'm sure that was pleasant for all the people sitting next to you. Well,
0: my daughters were already yelling, so I was just, like, you know, filling the void with my own yelling, too.
1: There you go. Hey, uh, we have an awesome show for you. We got tons to talk about. The game releases are hot and heavy. More Destiny talk. I'm going to talk Divinity. We got so much stuff. There's cool news to talk about. And we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know the DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, oh man, I'm excited because D-L-C stands for Director of Living Corn, because from Finish Line Games, we have the co-director of Maze, the absurdist adventure about sentient ears of corn. Mr. Brandon Hicks joins us. Hey, Brandon.
2: Hey, Jeff. I knew what you were going to do for the C, but I didn't know what you are going to do for the D and the L, and it was above even my expectations, so thank you. <laughs> I'm glad
1: to hear that. I the scene yeah, <laughs> was a little bit of a gimme, but uh, I had to I had to take it. I mean when it when it presents itself like that, you got to go with it.
2: Yeah, yeah, you you can tell you're a pro at that. It was fantastic. <laughs> thanks thanks for having me on. Um I've listened to you guys for years ever since you started DLC and even before when you were with uh, Garnet Lee and doing the weekend confirm stuff, so it's it's a real treat to be on. So so thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, let's talk before we get into the show. Let's talk a little bit about your game Maze, which uh, was released on PC at the end of last year, and now is is coming out on or has just come out on consoles. Right?
2: Yep, yep. It's uh, it came out uh, on uh, on PS4 and Xbox One uh, last week, um, and I guess the tagline uh, is "It's a video game about sentient corn." Um, I have yeah. no idea how this happened, but it's out. <laughs> And uh, and my name's on it. So <laughs> <It's like laughs> I awesome. blacked out for three years and a game popped out. It's amazing.
1: I, I love it. Uh, I mean, if people are are sick of, of playing the same old, same old in video games, just be aware. There's stuff like Maze out there for you to find and play. And it, it's different. It's not doing what everybody else is doing. Uh, it's an adventure game, right? And this is – you wake up in a field and all the corn can – is alive and can talk to you, right? You got to figure out what's going on.
2: So, so you wake up, um, the first part is exploring and I'm not going to give too much away. This is right at the start. So, so don't worry about the spoilers, but you wake up, uh, and you're exploring this farm. You have no idea why you're there. Um, the farm's weird in that there's these weird items around and you have to, uh, open this mysterious door. And once you do, that's when the corn say hello. Um, (laughs) and then they try they ask you a riddle to uh let you in and then they can't decide on the riddle and then they just let you in anyway and then it just escalates from there. So it's a it's a first person adventure game um kind of uh modeled on the styles of a, a and click adventure. I mean a lot of inspiration from uh from old LucasArts stuff and uh um that's that's It doesn't look a...
1: like that, right? It it, it yeah. I mean you're you're looking at like really nicely rendered almost photorealistic corn with mouths and eyes.
2: We were absolutely spoiled with our art team is what I will say. Well, they are t- our entire team. Um, they're super, super talented people. And um, we kind of wanted to do a bit of a realistic style to make it that much weirder um, because you're walking around this slightly like this pretty realistic environment. And then, boom, these corn with corn men and with faces start talking to you. And and if people go, what what the heck am I playing? Then I feel like we've done our job. Uh, so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So there's a couple of things I want to
1: dig into here. One of which is the game has a lot of humor. And I think that traditionally has been something that games have struggled with a little bit. I mean, you talk about those classics like Secret of Monkey Island and Maniac Mansion, and those games managed to be funny. And we've even had games that are funny here and there. But it's, it's not something that's super easy to do in the medium. And I wonder... Uh, if you guys have had any challenges that way or what, what what you found in trying to make a game that's legitimately funny like Maze is.
2: Well, the first thing I did was not write any corn puns because... because <laughs> well, we were... I guess
1: I would not have had a job at your studio. <laughs> well,
2: that's all I, mean, I would have done. We were doing so many puns in the studio that I just went, no, I can't do this. I can't <laughs> throw, throw this many puns in the actual game. So I actually challenged myself to not have a corn pun in the game, and I, I did it. I don't know how... But I, I say puns in real life and I don't even know I'm doing it. So that's kind of the trade-off. Um, but it's, it's an interesting question. Um, it's something that I've talked about, uh, with a bunch of people. And I think the one thing that is challenging with games that you don't normally see in, in other mediums like TV or, or radio or film or even books is that, um, uh, it doesn't work really in a video game unless the mechanics reinforce the humor. Um, because you have this entire, uh, piece that is integral to to this medium to to games, and if it if if our puzzles basically didn't reinforce the humor, our puzzles are ridiculously absurd uh, as well. Um, I don't think it would have hit as well as it as it did. Which and again, it was it was very challenging because every step of the way we had to look at look at the what you did and, and how you did it and say, does this fit? Does this actually throw things off? Do we have the right tone here? And, um, and uh, just just checking that every step of the way, I think was really important to making sure that the tone was consistent throughout. Um, and I, I'm really proud of, of what we did because it, it, is, it is extremely challenging to do that. And even up until the end of development, I was looking at it going, um, it, am I the only one who's going to find this funny? Um. Is this? Am I just? I'm just laughing into a void here. Um. Thankfully, that's not the case. So I can actually tell people I have I have physical like evidence that I am funny and they should laugh at my jokes.
1: It's <laughs> awesome. They, they still um, don't, though. I, I I have to check you though on this on this absurd claim that you have no corn puns in your game, which is called maze m a i z e. <laughs> And you are in a corn maze for much of the game. So uh, I call shenanigans on your claim, sir.
2: You got me on the one one thing. That (laughs) one pun. Well, We have, okay, let's be real here. We have probably five. It's not in the (laughs) script, but they're they're scattered around. I mean, I'm not immune to it. I mean, I resist as much as I can, but even then. And the title's so good, too. It just works so well. Uh, and our logo was so nice. I'm just like, well, we can't change the logo now. I mean, it looks so nice. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So Uh, I have another question. I'm sorry. Very, very observant. Yes. (laughs) Did call me on it. And I, I did commit a shenanigan there. There you go. Uh,
1: I have one other question for you. And this is because I, I did a little reading on your back history. You worked on a game called cell damage
2: right yeah yeah uh i was uh i worked post-launch on cell damage hd i didn't actually work on the uh, the original but um that's how uh, actually um uh dan and i uh, partnered up to uh to work on this uh so yeah
1: yeah that's one of the first games i got for my original xbox man cell damage i had to put a lot of hours into that game
2: <laughs> you know that's what we found um uh, we got such a great response from people, uh, saying, like, this was the first game that they played on their Xbox. Uh, um, it was a, it was a launch title. Um, uh, Dan, yeah, it, it, it uh, the person I'm referencing, Dan, he's, he's my studio partner. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. We get to run Finish Line together. Um, he's Daniel Posner. He's one of the founders of Pseudo. So yeah, he, uh, he worked on the original. Um, and then they decided to, uh, uh, bring it, uh, uh, update it. And the really cool thing uh, that I saw um because I was helping helping them with the post uh, post launch marketing stuff uh, was um how many people basically had this really, really strong personal connection with cell damage? Um, it was the first game they played it it has this this really awesome nostalgic uh, feel to it. and I really liked the fact that we were able to to bring that back for them, that it was, you know, something that reinforced, you know, the memories they had when they first picked up their Xbox and started playing it. So I'm glad to count you as one of, one of those, those people. Cause I really enjoyed that, the positive uh, nature of that. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: All right, let's, uh, let's tear into the show and start the way we always do with story of the week.
2: Story of the week.
1: It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And there's cool folks there. You should go hang out, interact, uh, chat about video games and the show, anything you like. Brandon, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. There's a lot of juicy ones here. Uh, What would you consider to be your story of the week?
2: I'm so excited for this. Um, I'm going to talk about, first of all, Nintendo Direct, uh, because there was a Nintendo Direct that, uh, that dropped this week. Uh, and there's a ton of news. Um, a few of the items are 2DSs um, D- uh, are launching. Orange White Creamsicle and a Pokeball uh, version. Um, the Nintendo Switch is getting its first MOBA, which is really exciting, called Arena Valor, uh, made from, uh, from Tencent. Uh, who also owns Riot Games, uh, and you probably know the thing that they make. Uh, it's called League of Legends, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it's called
1: a money-printing machine. I think that's what they call it. Oh, that's what it. those are.
2: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes, yep, yep. I, 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 I'm surprised there's dollar signs around their name. Um, uh, something that's really cool that I think is really neat is uh, that Doom and the Wolfen, Wolfenstein 2 are coming to the Switch, and if you haven't played Doom yet, I mean, everybody should play Play Doom; it's fantastic, and now you can play it on the go anywhere you anywhere you like. So I think that's a big one. Uh, the one thing that I really noticed and, and was excited by was uh, the arcade archives, because um, there wasn't really any. Uh, nobody was really sure that um, uh, Nintendo was going to do something akin to the Virtual Console on the Switch because of you know the bonker sales of uh, you know the, the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic. Um, so it's nice to see that they're doing uh, at least this, um, uh, and they're it's they're going to be rolling out games like you know Super Mario, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber. So some pretty cool stuff's going to be coming out, um, and uh, and it was really interesting too because uh, there's this little story that there might be a a full version of Mario uh, of, of NES Golf in the Switch, and this is kind of confirming that that might actually be a test bed for releasing this because people were sp- speculating that this was an emulator. Um, but uh, that's really cool. But the one thing I really want to talk about um, because that overshadowed everything is, is uh, Nintendo uh, had a screenshot with Mario without a shirt and it completely <laughs> broke uh, video game Twitter for days. And nobody remembered what the rest of the Nintendo direct news items were because all I could see on my Twitter feed was all nipples all the time. And everybody knows how to Photoshop. So just let your imagination run wild or don't. Um, But I'm really glad that this is a thing. I love stories like this. Just things that just are so weird that you're just, you have to stop and pause. Um, I kind of look at that image too. and I, I don't know why, but I'm also a little, little weirded out by it. I know it's great that Mario's like having fun and and you know he's taking a swim, he's going to the beach, he's relaxing. I mean he he quit his plumber job, so you know maybe he's oh yeah it's like, all vacation all the time now. Yeah, man, he's trying to find himself. You know he's, he's <laughs> been working for twenty years. Um, maybe he's having an identity crisis. I'm not surprised considering he possesses people in Mario Odyssey. Maybe he's trying to find himself. But uh, it's kind of this neat thing that I really like the people kind of jumped on it and started asking all these weird questions. And, uh, I just love everything about it. So
1: I kind of feel like Mario is the kind of dude. And I don't know why I feel this necessarily. I guess he's kind of a old school
2: guy. I kind of feel like he would wear a onesie to go swimming.
1: I don't know. You know what? I mean,
2: right. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Like that striped onesie, that red and white striped, striped onesie on the beach. Like I could see him in that, but I don't know. It's just the, The trunks are just – it's off somehow. What do you think, Christian? Um,
1: Mario nipples confirmed. (laughs) Um, Are you happy that uh, we're going to get swimsuit Mario? And and I think his nipples are um, very small in proportion, which is good news for me as an Italian man who also has extraordinarily tiny nipples.
0: Oh, so they're accurate, then, is what you're saying. These are accurate.
1: Culturally accurate, yes.
0: I just want to go to the, I'm curious if in New Donk City there's the waxing salon that he went to to get so smooth. Like, this guy, you know, he's he's ready to go. He's more aerodynamic for running and jumping. He's ready to cycle with his mustache. He's like a 70s Tour de France rider, all clean-shaven everywhere else.
1: uh, Was it Spitz? The the swimmer that had the mustache that was super fast? All he
2: needs is uh, five gold medals around his neck, and he's a I was going to say spitting image, and I stopped myself. Oh, see? Oh, my goodness. That wasn't even a corn pun. (laughs) Well,
1: uh, I think over and above the shirtless Mario, which did break the internet, uh, what they showed of Mario Odyssey kind of broke my brain because it looks – to me – just the the breadth of what they're showing—no pun intended either—is <laughs> akin to the breadth of Breath of the Wild. Uh, it it looks to be to be as world expanding as as time sinky as Breath of the Wild is, and that is at the same time exciting and also intimidating <laughs> with all the great stuff that's available to play right now. But man, it look that game looks so
2: good. It's, uh, I, I, uh, joking aside, I'm really, really excited for it. Um, I'm just, I'm still getting through Breath of the Wild. I managed to get my hands on a Switch, uh, which was a minor miracle. And, uh, I, I just really, I'm really impressed with even Nintendo's been making Mario games for two decades now, even longer than that now. And, uh, they, they're still managing to create these fresh mechanics. I mean, Galaxy was such a, Such a revelation to me when I when I played it on the Wii, and it looks like this is going to be the exact same thing for the Switch, and I just I could not be more excited for this game.
1: Yeah, it it looks insane, Uh, Christian. What is your take on some of this Nintendo Direct stuff? Uh, Are you are you excited for Mario? You know, he um, Brendan talked about um, getting his hands on a Switch, and one of the things we haven't mentioned yet either is they announced the Switch Mario Odyssey bundle which I'm sure will also be in short supply, but it certainly will be a, a tempting Christmas gift for a lot of people out there. Um, what is your take?
0: Yeah, well, also, they've said, Nintendo has said that they're going to read, We I don't think we talked about, they're going to put out more NES classics in 2018, and they're ramping up production on the Super NES Mini or Super NES Classic. So, like, they're trying to get these things out into production. Yeah, I think the, be,
1: everywhere you go, there's going to be Nintendo hardware to buy. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be falling off shelves. We're not going to be able to give these things away.
0: <laughs> right, the problem Nintendo always has. Um, I think the most interesting thing about this Direct, though, is the Arca- Arcade Archives announcement, because that's not Nintendo. Like, they outsourced to, I believe it's Hamster Games, to be doing these classic Nintendo arcade games as their, I hate to use the term, but like, air quote, virtual console, or like, you know, these older... Um, games coming out to the console and part of me is like yay yeah, this is awesome because they've been doing the neo geo games now for years um, and and having great success on the switch in terms of getting them out regularly and having them be competent ports um, but then part of me is a little sad because i'm like well it's just going to be ports <laughs> and like is nintendo not going to be uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm only happy. I guess I'm only happy because they're coming out at all. But I think it's fascinating that Nintendo seems to be so willing with the Switch now to be a little more fast and loose with their IP from, um, you know, Mario Rabbids going to Ubisoft and making like a high tier quality Mario game to now Hamster Games working on all of their old classics to Mario get them
1: on, on mobile was not yeah. them as well. Yeah, yeah. I think you make a good point. Um, it's interesting, I think, to note the distinction that they seem to be making here with these arcade archives, uh, from virtual console, because these are not console games. These are right. the full standing arcade games, um, that. Come on, Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that Popeye, huh? I put so much time into uh, Mario Brothers. I mean, this is like predates Super Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers is a fun game, especially yeah. in multiplayer. Yeah. Oh my god, we would get into such fights as kids playing that it's game. It's a friendship you just screw Over your buddy, it really
0: is. It really is. Yeah, my dad told me he used to play that too. Oh man, come on, don't
1: <laughs> do that to me. <laughs> um, my my favorite announcement from this uh, Nintendo Direct was Project Octopath Traveler. Which uh, I don't know how often a game has a full-on demo you can download before it has a final title. But this one did. Um, I I suspect they're going to keep Octopath Octopath Traveler, even though that doesn't really roll off the tongue, as you could just tell. Um, Because uh, now you can play it. I rushed over to my Switch as soon as the Nintendo Direct ended and downloaded it. Because my goodness, it is a beautiful looking game. They're talking about it as being this HD 2D thing where they add uh, HD CG effects to 2D pixel art. And they also do this cool cool depth of field, like shallow focus, um, tilt shift uh, thing that, man, it's so pretty. Just when I thought nobody could keep you know, making pixel art look different and unique, here comes this game to really do that. Um, the demo I played is a little slow to start. It's a, it's a very talky at the beginning. Uh, but, but man, the world just wandering around the world is so pretty. It feels like you're in this cool, like cutout diorama world because of the tilt shift aesthetic. Um, so I'm really excited for this. This is a square Enix game. So this is a full on big, uh, role-playing game that'll be coming out in 2018 with eight different characters that you could start as. So, um,
2: it's, it's pretty awesome looking, I think. It looks like I have another thing to download on the Switch, so that's exciting. Yeah, it's the free, the free demo is definitely worth downloading, and
1: it's interesting that they're, like, testing it out. They said, hey, download it, let us know what you think about it, and we'll continue to work on this game, and maybe you can give us title suggestions? I don't know. It's called Octopath Traveler. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, lots of other cool news. It certainly is exciting, as Brandon mentioned, that uh, Doom... And Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus are coming to Switch. Wolfenstein 2 in particular because this is not an older game. I mean, we've seen Bethesda uh, port Skyrim. I'll be talking about that later. I got a chance to play that uh, to Switch. And these older games, we're seeing a lot of these older games ported to Switch. And even Doom is, you know, a couple of years old now. But Wolfenstein 2 coming right up, right? It's not even out yet. It won't be coming out day and date on the Switch. It will be a 2018 release, but that's interesting. Is how is it going to look comparable? Is it going to be able to be uh, – how is it going to work on the Switch? I think that's a really interesting question, and I love the fact that we're seeing these AAA big budget games coming out on that ostensibly handheld system as well. Pretty cool. Any other stuff you guys want to pick out of the, of the Direct before we move on?
0: I think that covers the big hits. Other than that, you know, they're Nintendo is being Nintendo and they're keeping going with the DS, 2DS, 3DS line. Everybody kept waiting for them to kill it after the Switch became a hit and the Switch is a hit and Nintendo's still like, nah, dog, we got more games coming out on, on the DS line. We're not slowing that train down.
1: Yeah. We didn't even talk about the like 20 minutes of DS titles that they talked about at the beginning. It's just, it's, it's not, you're right. Not slowing down. Uh, Christian, what is your story of the week?
0: So my story of the week is, uh, I was very surprised last week, Jeff Kanata, that you were so hesitant and you did not want to touch the PewDiePie story. Uh, when Andrea brought that up, I was like, I'm glad she's bringing it up. And then when you were like, oh, I didn't even really want to talk about it. I was like, what? What? How could, what? And then it gets to be relevant again, because he did it again. He yeah. did it again. Turns and if you don't he want is, to talk about it, and if our listeners don't want to listen to it here... Those of you that do, I encourage you to go out and listen to episode 190 of Spawn on Me, uh, which is had an excellent discussion on there. So go listen to that. And then I think it's last week or two weeks ago's waypoint radio, um, from Vice with Austin and Patrick. Go listen to that. And I also think that putting our heads in the sand about it doesn't make it go away. And to listeners that are yelling at me right now, being like, it's not. Games. That's not. I know that's not how you sound. Uh, I'm sorry. It's not games. I don't want to hear about this. This is a video game show. I would reply to you politely. It is games, and gaming culture and and times is very toxic. And there is so much of it that is awesome, like Extra Life, uh, games done quick, child's play, Humble Bundle, whatever they announce, a hundred million dollars or whatever huge amount they've given to charity. There's so much good stuff that I think we need to talk about all of that good stuff. But I would also argue, Jeff, that we need to talk about the bad stuff just as much when it happens and say that it's not okay.
1: All right, let's because talk about I-
0: it. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away.
1: I uh, I think ignoring it is not entirely what I was doing, but I'm not going to argue that point. Let's talk about it. You want to bring it up? Let's bring it up. Uh, what, what would you like to say?
0: Well, I said a lot of it, <laughs> that ignoring it doesn't make it go away. And I think as people, it is our job to call out acts that are... Um, despicable when they happen, and not just to sit there and pretend like, um, oh, it's games it happens, or it's, it's part of it just, you know, it's part of the culture. And I think even if you like a lot of PewDiePie's content, which I've watched a lot of it, a lot of it is is very entertaining. I think him playing horror games when he did a lot of that a couple of years ago was dumb entertainment, right? Have it in the background and watch him scream and yell. Uh, it's funny. But when he starts doing something like that, I think it's on us to say and to say loudly that this is not okay and to do it when i make mistakes too because i've certainly made mistakes and i would encourage our listeners to to come to me and be like hey dude stop it
1: yeah i think we did that last night and and the 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 problem the reason that this uh issue was one that i was a little hesitant to, to delve into is because you're making it seem very clear and it and that aspect of it is very clear like the dude did something Despicable, and we all denounced it last week. And I think anybody who's uh, decent uh, denounces it. But that's not really what people are talking about. What people are talking about is what Camposanto decided to do as a result, and that is much muddier and much uh, has much more to do with the. Digital Millennium Copyright Act and how you can apply that and how people feel about that. I've got a lot of emails this week. I'll read one if you really want to delve into this. Here is one. I don't know how you feel about this side of the issue, Christian, but before we even get to what you feel, here's uh, one of the emails I got. This comes from Jason. He sent it to dlcfeedback at uh, gmail.com. He says, Campo Santo, the designers of Firewatch, are unequivocally wrong – in their response to PewDiePie and their actions are borderline criminal. Firstly, irrespective of what PewDiePie said in his stream, he was not even playing or associating with Campo Santo or the properties or their properties in any way. So what right or justification did they have to any response? If you don't like what he said or did, fine. Don't give him any of your products and don't sponsor him in any way, shape or form. Now, if he purchased your product, guess what? You have no right to control his use of it or at least not in the scope to which they are attempting. To show the ludicrous nature of their response, let's give an example that isn't video games. If a neo-Nazi radical skinhead on a, has a YouTube channel where they give tutorials on motorcycle repair and maintenance on bikes they paid for legally and is well-known source for instructionals that, general, that generate massive revenue for said individual, and then he uploads a video calling people to arms against whatever group he hates, whatever motorcycle company he uses would have no legal right or authority to say he cannot make money from the videos featuring their products. That is the equivalent of what Campo Santo is doing. Additionally, they are knowingly, intentionally abusing the DC, DMCA in a way other than it was intended to be used. They are weaponizing the law to a nearly criminal level. Either the streaming of their game is acceptable or it isn't. Um, he goes on from the, there, but – Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, another – well, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Jason? Was
0: that his name? Yes. Jason? Jason, thank you for the email. Um I'm listening to this. I'm going to assume, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to assume that you are not a, an attorney and you are not trained legally in the United States. Um, I currently am not an attorney, but I have passed the bar in Texas and California, and I graduated at the very tip top of my law school class, and I never lost a motion or a uh, hearing that I signed my name to. All that to say, I'm not currently super versed on the DC, DMCA, it's not what I did, but I, I was a litigator and I have a pretty good understanding of a lot of generalities of the law. The problem with having this type of conversation is that people slip into what they think of as a definition of a word and the legal definition of the word. Borderline criminal, nowhere near criminal. Nowhere near criminal. For something to be criminal under the scope of the law, you have to violate a law that says that you committed a crime and then also be held and tried and convicted of said crime. And there is no crime here that... that Campbell Santo came anywhere close to, uh, and certainly yeah, none. They're going a, to ever be charged. Agree. I
1: think that we can agree that his hyperbole is is a little ridiculous. But two, you know, this his example of about what the saying. motorcycle, yeah,
0: is totally different. Totally different because, and copyright, in no way does taking apart a motorcycle violate the copyright of that motorcycle. And you have to realize that copyright is a defined term. Under the law that has a bunch of subsections and various definitions and case law that has defined what is and what is not copyright law. Now, More specifically to Firewatch and using someone's game, the area is murky because there hasn't been a clear case law precedent set for this type of Let's Play streaming of video games. The case law we do have is more similar to movies and TV shows where people are providing commentary tracks over an existing version of the movie. Things like Mystery Science Theater 3000. All of those films are licensed, and there's a reason why when Rift Tracks, some of the original people from MST3K, set out to do their thing, You would buy their track riffing over the movie that you would then sync up to the movie yourself because they could not provide you with a copy of the movie they were riffing on because that would be a violation of the copyright holder's copyright of that film. So we have a lot of case law that's very comparable, but the difference in video games is the question of whether or not you are manipulating the space because you are actively engaging with the game and whether or not that makes it something that you are using and whether or not it is derivative of the actual copyright work.
1: Okay, so we, we've we've d- d- determined a distinction between uh, an, a work that is copyrighted and uh, a thing like a motorcycle, which is not. Which I think is the important thing. Let's try to be clear and let's try to do this in a concise way because this is why I didn't want to get into this conversation because it spirals, right? So yeah, I have so many feelings. Uh, I think about
2: that, this. <laughs> by the way.
1: Yeah, I want to. I want to hear what you have to say, Brian, But but I just just to just to kind of. Um, encapsulate what, what Christian is saying, and I think is a, a great point that needs to be said, is that your analogy is flawed because there is no law that says showing a motorcycle violates copyright law, right? The the issue here, I think, that a lot of people have is that Campo Santo has decided to leverage this law in a way that, as this listener, Jason, points out, was not how it was intended. They have decided to just uh, – uh, selectively enforce it Based on their own
0: But uh, that's how copyright law works though Right You have to selectively enforce it And there's no violation until the copyright holder Says that there is a vi- I mean, There's a violation but you need to assert your claim Right
1: So they, they are well within their purview To assert claims based on whatever they decide So is Nintendo If Nintendo says we want you to not use Mario But you can use Kirby That's fine That whatever criteria they deem, the fact that you happen to know what Campos Santos criteria is and you have a moral objection to it is irrespective of the law. So legally, they're well within their rights. Now, a separate, completely separate issue is do you agree with this? Now, let's go to Brandon. What, what, What are your thoughts? How much time do you have? (laughs) not a lot I I didn't want to this is why I didn't want to bring this up but but I think it's an interesting discussion to be had and and I I want to hear your thoughts
2: I mean from a developer's perspective uh like if we're talking about uh the takedown notice um for us the vast majority of people that uh streamed our game or did youtube videos of our game did not ask for permission from us to do it and we can go after them if we want to. but the thing is, I mean, do we want to do that? Um, the the streaming and YouTube youtubers they're, they're not going away uh, at, at all like they're they're a, they're a fundamental part of games culture. and the fact that you know Campo Santo did this, I think they were trying to to do their best to send a message. Um, they're being selective with, with their with with their takedown notice, but I think it, I think from they they felt like they had a moral obligation, and now the thing where it gets great is, I mean, Campo Santo did really well with Firewatch. I mean, they can afford to do that with PewDiePie, but then you look at smaller studios, and like it or not, and I know this is. This is bad or good to say at the same time. I mean, PewDiePie has 56 million subscribers and a video from him could make or break a video game sometimes, especially for a smaller game. Um, and it, it has, and it's the same with a lot of the big uh, YouTubers. So, so there's a moral quandary here with, with people who are hoping that they can get the word out for their games. And, um, have to rely on this channel to do it. Now, if you'd ask me if I would have, if I were in the same position as Campo Santo, would I have done the same thing? Honestly, I, I don't know. Um, we can't police the entirety of YouTube. I don't know, uh, if how many people are being offensive on streams for maze or if they're being, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, very derogatory or, or whatnot. Um, um, we're a small team, um, and we can't we can't police that stuff. So it becomes a slippery slope. If you if you say that PewDiePie is now uh, like because of what he said is off limits, are you going to go and look through all your streams and see who else has been off limits? It it goes back to, it, like like this is still the wild west out here. I mean, there's no standards and practices like there is for for network television or any of that stuff for YouTube and Twitch. Well, at least stuff that is not um, super effective right now. So you have these things that pop up and as a studio, you're looking at it going, well, we don't like what this guy stands for. And to be very clear, that wasn't okay. What he said, absolutely not. I agree with Christian. You have to call this stuff out when it happens. If you can't call this stuff out, what are you gonna what are you gonna be able to call out? So put put me in that that camp too. That was that was absolutely like ridiculous. And anybody who defends that, we waypoint did a great job of talking about it. Uh by the way, I listened to that as well, Christian. So like if you guys want to listen to a very concise and intelligent conversation on that, uh listen to that. Um, they pretty much nailed nailed that. Um but from a developer's perspective you're not just looking at yourself. Now you're looking at the people that work for you and the people that, you know, are trusting you to, you know, keep the studio going. And this is an avenue to do that. Um, And the fact that there is no legal precedent is very murky. I don't think it's going away. um, But there might be, um, I don't know, Christian, you might want to talk about this a little bit, but there might be a thing. I think,
1: I think what you're talking about, Brandon is, 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 one of the things that irks the the other side on this the, the people that get upset about Camposanto's actions i think perceive a hypocrisy there that says hey when it's convenient for us knock yourself out but when it isn't you can't do this and it, they they see that as being arbitrary at which it is and also um that th- there's some level of Feeling like people don't appreciate what the streamer does for them—that that they, that there but for the grace of the streamer goes your sales, right? And I, I really, it really bothers me that perspective. Uh, that like there is this feeling of like, well. They are the reason that you, you even sold any copies at all. So you should be beholden to them and let them do it. And who, who are you to say what they do? I, I think Campo Santo did the riskier thing. Granted, their game has been out for a long time, but I suspect their next game and their following games, they will also not allow PewDiePie and, and people like him who behave in that way to stream. And I think that they're putting their money where their mouth is and saying, Hey, we'll take the hit in sales and publicity in order to have principle. And I applaud that. I think that that is a, a really honorable yep. position to take Absolutely. Uh, and is one that is count counter to your own financial interests. And, and I, I think that's good, but I know, I know a lot of gamers, who get upset about this and well, see it as
2: hypocrisy. They seem to assume, a lot of people seem to assume that s- streams and v- views equate one-to-one with sales. That's not true. Absolutely not. Um, I'm not going to like reveal any like numbers or anything like that, but I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that more people watched people play our games than bought our game. I'm still really happy with how we're doing. Like it's 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 great, but you kind of go down this slippery slope of are they our streams and uh, and YouTube videos helping or are they hindering? Our game is linear and it is short. Uh, if I had my choice again, I don't know if I would make Maze in the current climate because of the fact that it's. Not set up to be streamer friendly, um, and, and so right. you can experience it without yeah, paying and, and, for um it, is what you're saying, That right? Dragon Cancer had the same problem, right? Um, th- uh, when they they released their game, uh, and they they called it out. Um, and I'm not saying personally. Uh, I was I was thinking this might come up actually, so I was thinking about this all week. Um, I was uh, I'm, I'm not saying that um, we as developers, we should be railing on these guys Um, uh, and not streamers in general. I don't like set aside the whole offensive question Um, and say like, Oh, you know, they're, you know, like they're, they're hindering our sales because I mean, it's, it's just a part of the industry and it's, it's influencing genre. It's influencing what is being developed now. And you have to be mindful of that. But to say that streams equate sales is fundamentally not correct. It equates for it equ- equates sales for some uh, some genres for certain genres that stream well. For others, um, it doesn't. And like streaming games, it doesn't it it doesn't fit one to one with every single genre that, that comes out. And the fact of the matter is, whether you like it or not, some genres are just not going to be around because of this because of the way this is set up right now and who knows if a legal challenge changes all of that. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that whole argument that streams equal sales, not, not right. Not correct.
1: That's really, that's a really interesting point And, and one that uh, only someone from your side of the fence would be able to make, you know, and I, I'm, I'm glad we have you here for that because that's, I think that's a, a something that gamers don't necessarily understand. Um, Christian, I want to. I don't want to. And this is why I was worried because this could be a two-hour discussion I in, of, in and of itself. It. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's good. But um, you know, it's a it's it's a big topic, and it's hard to give it enough space to do it justice. But um, without getting into the legal ramifications of this, because we know that copyright has been carved out by the government as its own thing that can be applied to in in a very specific way but conceptually ethically uh, not legally not the specific definitions just from a um, what's fair kind of perspective the position that we all took last week Andrea and Anthony and I all took last week uh, was that Campo Santo has every right not to want their game associated with this kind of behavior I got several emails this week saying that, uh, oh, good, I'm glad you believe that. Uh, I will not sell my cake to that gay couple who wants to get married because I don't want my product associated with their behavior. What's your response to that?
0: uh, You can't escape the law. I mean, that goes back to a protected class. So it's a a totally different area of discussion because – that is a protected class defined under our laws in our country, and it requires a heightened scrutiny scrutiny to address in case law.
1: But, you, so it's, but, it's, but even if they weren't a protected class, I would guess that your position, even if there was no law to, to back it up, your position would be like, hey, sell the cake to those people, dude, right? You, Christian Spicer.
0: Yeah, would, of course. So,
1: yes, whoa, yes. so how is that different? Not from a legal perspective, but from a Christian Spicer belief perspective.
0: Well, that's that's the difference, right? It's it's beliefs and morals and what you think is right and what you think is wrong. Uh,
1: but so you are the arbitrator of what is right and wrong in this scenario. That's the slippery slope that we get into, right? You, if you, you remove like, law and you just you like the 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 gay marriage, but you don't like the N word. I'm with you. Nobody's disputing that those are that is the right side of history to be on in both cases, but. People who are arguing this from a uh, ethical standpoint say that if you are the arbitrator, why do you get to be the arbitrator?
0: A universal you or me specifically? You specifically, you. Christian Spicer. I would say to them I'm not – I'm, I'm not the arbitrator. I'm not the one making the decision. And I think the broader answer, the universal you, it's that we as a society have come together and made the decision as to what's appropriate and what's not. And that decision changes over time. Right. And, it, and it clearly has changed over time. Who can use what water fountain? Who can sit where on a bus? Who can go to what school? Who can get married? These things have changed and evolved over time. And that, that decision isn't one that's locked in stone from the beginning of time to today, and ethics and law are very different conversations. That's
1: why mm-hmm. I'm trying to stay in the ethic conversation, because that's one that we can all have an opinion on that's valid, right? Because the law question is decided, and, and you've made it clear what that decision is. Uh, Campo Santo is well within their right to do that.
0: But Well, to summarize th- it really quickly, the legal thing as it stands right now, to the best of my knowledge, can Campo Santo file the DMCA takedown claim? yes. Is it fair use to stream and talk over a video game? No. Should they? Okay, that's a different question. What can we do about it if you don't like the current state of the law? You can call your senators. You can call your representatives. You can try cases. You can bring cases. You can influence what the law is going to be. But fair use currently as defined by the law and case law that then goes to explain it, it is not fair use.
1: So, and I think that's an important point to make, and I'm glad you've made it, and I think we're all clear on that. But saying should we is a different conversation. That's the conversation that most people want to have is the should we conversation. Should Camposanto do this? Should the copyright law be leveraged in this way to assert a political point?
0: But you can't, see, the, you're mixing the and, and uh, Sharif in the chat. Society's often defined relationships, and society hasn't always been right. Uh, yes, I 100 percent agree. Uh, I love this conversation, and I'm I'm very glad we're having it. For the record, well, should I, I want to talk about destiny
1: and divinity, but you know, I, I hear you. Should,
0: should they be able to? And then you said the law. So you can't you you can't have no, but that they're, conversation. They're just using
1: the law as a tool. the The law itself, we can set aside. Should the tool, any tool, be used in a in a manner that this tool was not intent?
0: This tool wasn't written. Yes, it was to be applied like this. Hundred percent, it was. Hundred percent, it was because it you're was saying it could
1: be applied in any way yes. that the the copyright holder intends.
0: A hundred percent is copyright fair only to the copyright holder. That is it. No, would the world be better without it? Potentially, but the argument is that then it would hinder invention and in creation, and that's why we say, "Hey, copyright holder." You have, you have this thing to make money off of for a little bit. But otherwise, is the world better without it? Yes! Because then we can all use that thing and iterate it, and look at all the crappy versions of Sherlock Holmes we've had over the years now because of it, and, and a couple of good ones. Good. <laughs> it's, pretty good. Uh, it's, pre- it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Sherlock's pretty great.
1: We, I think, stand united to say that this is uh, a really awful behavior on the part of a guy who should know better, who's not a child, And is an adult human who has a big reach and should know better. And God, okay, makes me very upset. Uh, And also, I think we both are on the same side here, Christian. I'm mostly playing devil's advocate to challenge your view because I know a lot of our listeners – Uh, are on the other side. I I heard from many of them this week. I got lots of emails about this. So let's just, uh, if there's any tag you want to put on this, we can return to this conversation another time, but I got to get to a commercial and I got to get to video games.
0: Tag, legally, currently, clear. It can be changed. Morally, I understand you want to create these things. If that's okay, then what about this? And what about this? And what about this? How can you make the decision? Simple answer is, I can't. And neither can you. <laughs> That's it. That's the easiest way to put a bow on it. How can you decide? I can't. I can't decide. Neither can you. We can all work together to create a consensus, and then we can decide. And when we get it wrong, I'll just hopefully say one, we can make one it very
2: quick final thing. Just to reiterate, I mean, like especially for smaller developers, like we can't watch all of the content that people are making uh, for a game. So if we're being selective, then that falls down a slippery slope of well. We're going to have to do notices for all of these videos too, and we just don't have the time to do that. I think it, it was clear in that it was a statement but if if it's vague in any way, then that's where you know you start to get into trouble because I mean we can't police that stuff we're a lot of a lot of these studios are just too small and they don't have the hours for it so. That's from that side, at least. Um, And let's talk about destiny. (laughs) Let's talk about destiny. All right. But first, let's talk about sleep
1: (laughs) because this conversation made me tired. But I'm not going to be able to get sleep on just any old junky mattress. No. Get yourself a good mattress, a Casper mattress. Oh, my gosh. There was a time – When I had the same mattress I took to college, I took it from my home, went to college, slept on that mattress all through college, graduated from college, still slept on that mattress. And then I was curious as to why I was having back pains. Oh, man, I'm dumb. You got to have a good mattress. You got to replace that thing every few years. And the good news is Casper makes it easy for you to do that and inexpensive for you to do that. Casper is the sleep brand that was created Uh, to make a comfortable mattress and sell it directly to you. That means it eliminates commission-driven inflated prices and the process of like going into that warehouse and trying it out for a couple of minutes and making a big thousand dollar purchase and then being unhappy later. Casper gives you the quality. Gives you the high-quality memory foam and awesome sleep surfaces that regulate your temperature throughout the night. Give you the convenience of buying it completely risk-free over the internet with a 100-night home trial, which means any time within 100 nights of purchasing it that you decide you don't want it, they'll come to your house and pick it up. It's it's amazing. Give you your money back. Pretty cool. Also, I have to say having – Done this myself, opening a mattress, getting it in the mail. It's a really cool process. The mattress is comfortable. Uh, it made me sleep soundly. And I love the fact that it had free shipping and free returns. There's over 20,000 reviews with an average of 4.8 stars, uh, which is – out of three stars, which is impossible. No, I'm just kidding. Out of five. Um, and – We're gonna give you a discount on your Casper mattress. All you gotta do is go to Casper.com slash DLC. Use the promo code DLC when you check out and you get 50 bucks off. So upgrade your sleep. Sleep better, sleep more soundly. Use a Casper mattress. Casper.com slash DLC and that promo code DLC for $50 off. The playlist is uh, full, like it is uh, for many people in the world. With Destiny Two, Destiny Two, man, it's taken over. Everybody I know, Destiny Two, me, Destiny Two, you guys, Destiny Two, Brandon, Destiny Two, right?
2: I'm terrified to look at my hour count in Destiny Two. What's that light level at, baby? Oh, I'm at the I'm at 281 now. Oh! Yep. Yeah. I, I, have been, it's, you know, it's been, it's been hard, you know, sometimes just, uh, just waiting for those drops to happen. But like any, like anything that's worth working for, you just persevere. And, uh, and now I'm, now I'm raid ready. If we could ever, me me and my buddies could ever get our schedule right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the, that's the trick too, right? Christian and I've had that issue ourselves. Um, how, were you a fan of the original Destiny? Were you were you you know raiding in the first game?
2: Yeah, I was um, well, there's two two answers. I day one, yep. Um, uh, the same friends uh and I've been to uh, been playing together for uh, three and a half years. Uh they're old old media buddies that got all excited and uh started playing together. Um but uh I've always found it really difficult to Coordinate with them um, to actually get a raid going. I only completed um, one raid in the original Destiny: King's Fall, and it was by far the most fun I've I had in that game. And I had a ton of fun in that game. Um, so, so I've always find that the challenge is, and and we've got ten people in the clan, so we've got enough people. Um, the challenge is always finding the time when the six of us are together to be able to uh, to finish it, but. Um, uh yeah i'm just do you want me to get my thoughts first or do you guys want to go around the table no I can, no
1: get your thoughts out let's talk about it
2: so um i love this i love this game uh it's it's phenomenal i mean you you, you look at what destiny vanilla destiny was and you see how far they've come uh in so many different ways um at, at, this is, and again, this is considered, this is vanilla Destiny 2, right? So just the leap they've made from vanilla Destiny is just astronomical. Um, Do you think that we, we can
1: expect as big a, a quality improvement in the expansions to Destiny 2 as there were in Destiny 1 or does Destiny 2 itself reflect that leap?
2: I think, um, I think the, compl- the problems are smaller. Um, the complaints are less, um, the complaints are, 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 um, not as fundamental in, right. in, uh, van- as they were in vanilla dusty. I mean, if, um, I, the thing with me is when, uh, I, I jumped off cause I just could not stand the grind, uh, during, uh, and I jumped off at the first expansion, but I jumped back on, uh, Uh, for the Taken King. And I was just impressed at the, the leap that they took from, from that version to, to that uh, expansion. Um, I I hope that they, they keep iterating on it because they seem to be listening to, to their player base. And I know there's complaints. I mean, I, I I obviously listened last week and that shader thing, not a lot of people are happy about it. Um, and uh a couple other issues like that, but um uh well, th- the,
1: the shader thing sorry just to just to jump no, in was, and at that point real real quick is uh, it it scratches a very particular point for me that is uh something that is i don't think unique to me but certainly one part a quirk of my personality that annoys me even as I have it, which is I'm the guy who like saves my my uh health well, potion too. Yep, you know, I, nothing is worthy of of. I'll die before I use a health potion because I'm stupid. And then item um, order. but I but I'll think that there is something later on that I'm going to need this for. I can't use my cool resurrection sp- spell or whatever, and uh, I feel like now the fact that shaders are one time use, I'm like, well, this item isn't worthy of a shader. This isn't shader worthy. This is. I, I'm going to hold on. Maybe there'll be a better thing later, or maybe there'll be a so. I, that particular quirk of mine is uh, makes it worse. I just I haven't used a shader yet in the entire game because it's like, well, maybe I'll want this shader later instead of now. Um, so I, that it does bum me out that that works that way because I'm so bad at at overcoming that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they they've uh, a lot of the the design decisions they've done I've noticed um, are. I think they're trying to encourage you to not save your stuff. Um, you notice that there's no ammo packs now uh, that you can buy, right, and replenish your ammo because they're dropping more. They want you to use your uh, energy weapons and your super weapon. Uh, your um, sorry, your oh, it's the heavy weapon, a power yeah. weapon. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. the sniper rifle. Uh, and the the super. You mean the sword? You, you meant the sword is what you meant to say. That's okay. Though. I actually meant the fusion rifle. Okay,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got very lucky
2: one, one day at the, that exotics fusion rifle anyway. Um, and, and they're not, uh, and I think they're trying to get people out of the habit of saving stuff and they want you to use it. I I think the, with the whole cycle where you, now when you quote unquote level up past level 20, you get a bright engram and that seems to drop everything that you can buy with real world currency. Um, I think that's kind of a, a thing that they're trying to encourage is that you can use this stuff. You're going to get more of it. And I wonder if they're just going to increase the shader drop rate uh, or something like that in the, in the next iteration. Um, because I don't want to keep hoarding stuff. It's a, I'm, I'm with you, Jeff. I, I want to save that super. What if I need it for the next boss? And then the level's over. And I'm like, well... Oh, beans. I they didn't use it at all, and now I look like a dummy. No, I'm totally
1: that guy. And you know, uh, Tarmina made this point last week too that you're that you're bringing up, which is that the designers seem to be wanting people not to hold on to that stuff. But I don't, I don't know how, from a design perspective, you can get me to use my super other than when I go into those cool um, get your other spec moments, and they have those glowing. Uh, things that I can just stand on and it resets my super immediately over and over and over again those are ridiculously fun because I'm finally like using my super all the time I'm never doing that when I'm playing the game because like you said I'm there's always another boss around the corner I got to save it for
0: but a super and a shader are not the same thing use your shaders you uggos come on Put those shaders on, then use but a different a, one.
1: A, sh- a shader is worse than a super because it doesn't recharge. Yeah,
2: I've got I get <laughs> a system. I actually got a system now for the shaders. Okay, so so for if so for the blue uh, blue uh, gear that you get, I normally just use the the green and the blue uh, ver- shaders because you know you're gonna get those forever. But I save the the uh, legendary shaders just when I have like legendary armor that I want to use, and then I can coordinate. Um, because that's when you look really nice. Um, but, uh. So
1: your, your assumption is the legendary shaders are always the look you want.
2: They're so shiny. All of them are so (laughs) shiny. I like, I shimmer. My warlock shimmers now. It's, it's beautiful. (laughs)
0: <laughs> a fun game to play is to have no shaders on and then go up to your buddies in game and be like, dude, check out my shaders. Look how good I look. And they'll be like, you look great. And you'll be like, I know, right? Because it all just depends on how you feel about yourself. Be body confident. Use a shader if you want. And then when it's gone, be gone. And then just move on. It's okay. Can
1: it's I okay. say something about this? Because the thing that they have really dialed into is something that MMO players have known for a long, long time. Looking awesome is like 90% of why you want to play. Yep. And the thing that drives me insane is when games come out and don't get that, case in point, The Division. The Division is a – I actually prefer the moment-to-moment to Destiny. I, I, while Destiny is excellent, Destiny 2 is excellent, I'm having what? a blast playing it. I had more fun playing The Division Uh, leveling up through that world in the division. I thought it was so fun. I loved being in the world. I like third person more than first person anyway, just, just as a personal preference. Um, and I wish that game understood that I want to look cool. The game like adopted this aesthetic of gritty realism in the, in the, you know, streets of New York and Chicago or whatever it was, uh. And it didn't understand that the end game needs to be about making yourself look rad, and Destiny gets that, and and it, it is really, really the thing that propels people forward. And there's nothing wrong with that. Look
2: rad. I can hear Christian shaking his head over here. Well, just the
0: moment-to-moment gameplay of of the division being better than Destiny 2's is just like, well, I, I get that they're I, preferring third person, but like, mm,
1: I, I don't. don't I'm not saying it's like objectively better. I think Destiny Two has awesome gameplay but I well, saying objectively for me, is a legal term <laughs> I'm saying for me it was it was a I preferred doing what I did in that game to what I do in in destiny it's it was less chaotic it was more I felt more strategic and more it was it was just more fun for me uh, not that I'm ha- not having fun. It was like, you know, it's like a 99 or a 100 or whatever, you know, it's degrees of of more fun. But still, the game gave me no reason to play at the end because I wasn't trying to make myself look cool.
0: You just hate North Face and and beanies. <laughs> yeah, I do. And brown boots.
1: Although, if I had a beanie in, in Destiny, I would be playing around. Right. Brown boots, um,
2: off brown boots, off, off brown boots. So... I had my
0: 17 minute stinger at the end of last week's episode, and yeah. I should say that uh, I'm currently power level 262, I think. Um, so since then, uh, between then and now, uh, I love the game even more. We ha- we played some strikes together, you and I, and Carboni. I think I have one of those on my Twitch, and I have not Nightfalled yet or raided. Did you nightfall through- last night, dude? Did you get
2: through it?
1: Oh, no. No, no, okay. no. I mean, we got to the end, but...
2: I well, I'm excited to nightfall with you then. I actually cheered when we got through it the first time. That timer, I know a lot of people hate it, but, man, that, that ratchets up the tension.
1: Hate it! It's the cheapest, <laughs> most arbitrary way to ratchet up tension. That is lazy. Just a number on the screen counting down to make me feel tense? Screw you, game. Screw you. <laughs>
0: uh, but... I should also say, uh, I'll, I'll plug my campaign review on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713. And, and Jeff, this is why I need to be on the show every week. Hi, you're, you're,
1: you're invited every week,
0: Christian. It was thanks, literally thanks
1: your call not to be here last
0: week. <laughs> it wasn't my call. Was stupid wife. No, stupid family I love more than anything. Um, the, the thing about Destiny not having a story, Destiny 2 not having a story, and then Tower Mina did a good job stepping in to defend it. But he still overcomplicated a little bit. And then you poo-pooed him. And then you used your Star Wars analogy. And then you used a very funny but cynical tweet. Making fun of all the proper nouns in Destiny 2. The um, story in Destiny 2 with no lore. Are you ready? You ready? <laughs> Bad guy shows up, attacks your house. You must defeat him. Okay. Period. Done. Yeah, but that... Okay. That's so many stories have done that. It's a trope from the beginning that guy of shows up, attacks your house. You must defeat him.
1: Okay. I'll give you that. That's boring. That's <laughs> not, that, that doesn't, that doesn't tell me who I am. It doesn't a boy who grows up all alone and dreams of a world beyond his own and stares at, at two suns in the sky and dreams of being something greater. And then one day realizes that something shows up on his doorstep tells him yes you are greater than this you can be something more and he goes off and achieves that that tells me who he who i'm
0: who i'm connecting with that tells me who i am what what it is run of the mill soldier in a, a army of super soldiers realizes that they're the only one with the power to stop an unforeseen but you're not the evil. only one in the story you are
1: are you i don't i didn't get that i didn't get i just shut your f- shut your face <laughs> what? i did not get that i was the only one there's like 12 people that are all talking about things
0: also so spoiler slight destiny campaign story spoiler you spoiled it last week so if you listened to last week's show you've already heard this spoiler but you and andrea saying the whole they dropped the theory or the thread of losing your light they they did not drop that it was never dropped oh there it all, is what your lights light
1: is gone you'll have to oh wait there it is no every right, it's just gar- laying
0: right over there it was every just like, every look, guardian loses over there they're light Did you see over there where it's
1: laying there it's just sitting right there just only it.
0: you reclaim it just and all it. of those moments about you getting your subclasses is addressing the fact and the burden as to why you have it and no one else does so now you have a core array grappling with who she is as a person and what she can do and how she can contribute then you have people like holiday and hawthorne who all of a sudden elevated to the status of pretty much every other guardian on the world throughout the campaign Listen, and you have zavala wondering if he can even lead Kate's still trying to be smarmy and snide and witty, but knowing that he also is just going to be torn apart. And you are the only person that's gifted with this power, and you don't know why. Because throughout the whole time, you are being
2: Everybody told the that this is, power can be wrestled.
0: Is
1: posting yawn and sleepy emojis
2: <laughs> away from you. I'm sitting like Appreciate. by the campfire, like going. Force.
1: I love that you love the story. I love it. I'm so
0: happy. I'm not for saying you. it's a good
2: story. It's I'm just bad. saying that you were wrong.
0: That it Here's the exist. thing
1: that I have re- realized since last week, which I sort of already knew, but it really drove home in the interim week that we've had. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Playing the story campaign in Destiny Two isn't even the game, and we all know that, right? But I thought it was really good. It's fine. It's fine. It's an. Ex- it's it's like the Halo games. That's fine. I'm not. I don't. Uh, there are people that read the Halo books and get super into the Halo lore, and have more power to them. But it's not Horizon Zero Dawn, which is like awesome storytelling. Correct. It's not, it's not Half Life. You know? Correct.
0: So but it's a it's a good enough story to get you into the game and have fun in the moment to moment gameplay, and have some really awesome epic set pieces that they did a really good job in this campaign that were absent from destiny one.
1: But the, but the truth is that it doesn't matter because this game isn't about that. It's about getting on a headset with your friends and barely paying attention and just hanging out and doing a thing that you can half pay attention to and still do well and getting cool stuff that make you look cooler. That's fine. That's fine. That's how Diablo is. I couldn't tell you the story of Diablo other than the fact that you have to kill the devil. I don't care. Who cares about the story of Diablo?
0: I think it's an unforeseen evil comes to your house and you have to kill it. It's the <laughs> same story. Is pretty like a
2: Jeff. meteor or something. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Uh, I,
1: you you came armed to combat my point and I would just say my point was moot. It doesn't even matter. In the weeks since where I've just been playing endgame stuff, it's like, who, why do I even need to have done that? Who cares? In fact, in fact, I'm just – this episode is a craziness. It's just a spiral. But here I'm we go. Having a great time. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad, right <laughs> Thank God. Uh, Fantastic. Why are there levels? Why have why are why do we level to twenty in this game? There is zero need for that. In fact, it's just this weird vestigial uh, thing from old MMOs or from. It's like, oh, you have to have levels. You don't have to have levels. You could do light level from the beginning. It could just be about your items. You just get a light level item of 10 or whatever, and now you're light level 10, and you work up. There's Getting a a new level in this game, yeah, I guess it gives you a... Uh, still skill tree point, but you get skill tree points from a whole lot of weird stuff in this game. Doing a quest gives you a skill tree point. They didn't need to make 20 levels. It, it, no. That conveys zero information to me as
0: a gamer. Well, she, and that's a great point. Why are there guns in the game? I mean, you could shoot from fingers or toes of your mouth. Like, what does it even need a gun for? That's just an old vestige of games with guns no, and legs. What point, do you have legs for?
1: No, the difference is that the reason you're cynical analogy is flawed christian is because at the certain point this game goes oh your level is meaningless the game never tells you your gun is meaningless it tells you your level is meaningless at the point at which the game starts again right and now it's all about light level i asked brandon what his light level was i didn't ask him are you level 20
2: because that's i am i am level
1: 20 (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you you yeah
2: no i i I just want to you know accuracy right so um Check the chat for your answer though, Jeff, by the way.
1: <laughs> so so here's what the now Jeff is right from AJ Guy Seven t- Eleven?
2: No, a little further down. That's from as far somewhere. as I
1: read. That's as far as I read.
2: <laughs> so so the thing that um I, I noticed when I was playing, I think they tied at least to to from one to twenty, they tied light level to um power level. So like if you were at level fifteen, you'd get something between one fifty 150 and one fifty nine, and and if you got a level up, you get something between one sixty 160 to one sixty nine. That seems to be how they they set it up. The thing is, you go so fast through those levels, and and yeah, Jeff, you're totally right. I mean, after next week, there's not going to be anyone that isn't twenty that you can't see. Um, right. the thing that they used to do. Except for the people that
0: haven't bought the game yet. That's true. Come on. That's
2: true. There aren't any of those. There, there, those don't exist. And, and <laughs> when you see an eight, it's like rare. You're like, wait. Hey, you hey, he just started. Man, he's got so much to experience, right? It's an alt. We both it, know it's an alt. <laughs> that, yeah. It's probably me and my Titan or something. So, so basically the, I, I, what they did at Vanilla Destiny was they, they actually, the first iteration of this was they tied it directly to your level. So when you got to the 21 or 22 that actually really meant something because you know how hard it is to grind to get that. What I'd like to see them do I don't know if they're 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 planning on this, but keep the the levels uh the same with the first two digits of the power level. So if you get to 210, go to 21, to 220, go to 22 because everybody knows, I mean Right now, if you get to two seventy, two eighty, that's a pretty big deal. So if you see twenty eight beside somebody, you're just you're like, oh wow, okay. Because at at this point, I mean, if you're doing a public event or a strike or anything like that, you don't actually know how powerful your your fire team is. Uh, if you're if you're coordinating with randoms, um, so you don't know if they're at that's my yeah, point, yeah, and you don't know if they're at two hundred. You, you hover over somebody in the field and it shows twenty by their name. What?
1: Oh, okay. Why does it even show me that number? Listen, this isn't a big criticism of the game, but I think that that is why not just eliminate that altogether and give you your your light level or your your average item level and just have it tied to items from the word go. There's no there's no point in having this arbitrary leveling system just because other video games do it.
0: Well, so from the chat. Sharif says, "I think you're missing that some people just want to play a story and that's it. These people need the progression. Not everyone will do end game, and Bungie wants to appeal to them All too. Right. I have a lot of better story games for them to play. <laughs> and then Anthony, <laughs> level is casual, story based grind. Power level is end game grind. And and Jeff, to your point, you have better story games for people to play. There are better games with story." But you forget that playing the story mode of Destiny 2 is still an incredible gameplay experience, That I agree. is some of the best I, I, moment-to-moment first-person shooting available being, on consoles.
1: I'm being uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek mostly. I, uh, this game is excellent, and I'm you guys not... give
0: the show a good review on iTunes if you're listening, <laughs> if you like this week's show.
1: <laughs> but no, I, I I think that there's a uh, a point to be made here about just putting in these things just because it's what video games do. But uh, also global reset in the chat said uh, the other level gate is before you can swap all your gear around. Jeff hasn't made a second character yet and that's accurate, but there's a ways, there's ways to do that more cleverly too. I just, I think it would be, it's a totally minor thing we're spending way too much time on, but I think it could be better. Um, other things, Brandon, other things about destiny 2.
2: Oh, I wanted to, to bring up the, the, the story too. Um, that I really enjoyed all of that. By the way, that was fantastic. that was great. I was expecting you. That. You
1: enjoyed the story in the game, or us talking about I, it. That,
2: I enjoyed you guys talking about it. <laughs> that was the best story of them all. Um, <laughs> the story was in your heart the whole time. Yeah, it was in, it was in you all along. Not, <laughs> it was in your ear holes. I'm Trying my hardest not to make a Mario joke. And anyway, okay. <laughs> it's in the other castles. <laughs> so so um I. I I was thinking about this, um, as I, I've, as I've been playing, um, extensively and I'd really like, just like to thank my wife for accommodating my need to play destiny at every, every waking hour, except when we're hanging out because she's very lovely and letting me do that. I say it's research quote unquote. Um, but, uh, I think, uh, I think it's really interesting how, um, destiny, uh, the bar is so low in some aspects for it and yet so high in others. Um, the moment-to-moment first-person shooting, I mean, that is as tight a loop as I've ever seen in a console shooter, maybe even in a PC shooter. I mean, uh, people are calling it maybe the best first-person shooter of all time, and I i, I wouldn't really have a lot of arguments against that. I know that's a, that's a contentious point, but it's at least right up there. Um, just the feel of everything, moment-to-moment. Um, And, uh, you were saying last week, can I, can I pick you back on that
1: point real quick before you go on? Um, one of the things I was commenting to, I think, I don't know if Christian, you were on when I was saying this, uh, but as we were playing, uh, I think I was talking to Anthony was how, um, the sound design of individual guns is so awesome and conveys so much information, just like the, the cool exotics that will, for example, give you a, um, the third uh, the third bullet in your in your you know you pull the trigger and it shoots three bullets uh, in your grouping uh, is more powerful on one of my exotics and the sound of that third bullet hitting is different and it triggers me into the fact that I nailed the third bullet hitting the same target or cold heart, which is an exotic that uh, is a constant beam, but the longer you hold it on a, the same target, the more damage it does. And you hear that beam ramp up and get more powerful in your ears as, as it's, you know, on that same target, as you're painting the correct target, all of those little things and the, the way different guns feel and sound and operate the, the, the loop of acquiring new stuff and feeling it is as pretty awesome. And they've done such an incredible job of that, which is one of the reasons why I complained that there's no try before you buy. Uh, you know, why can't, why, when I go to Zür, can I not like go to a shooting range for a minute and try out the stuff he's selling rather than having to rely on what some website told me is the coolest gun from Zer.
2: He doesn't have time for that. He's got places to be during the week. He's got a, that's true. He's
1: got to stand right on that tree stump for a weekend. Staying there for a yeah.
2: while. He's got to go home and rest, you know, um, with rest <laughs> his tentacle face or whatever that is. Um, <laughs> uh, I I think that uh, even even like getting an exotic and and having it be decrypted that sounds really cool. Um, uh, the sound you, it makes when I think you mentioned this last week uh, when when someone you, you get a headshot on on a on a dude. I mean that's really neat too um and just like sound design is 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 phenomenal um the thing that i wanted to 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 talk about is i i played that game so much uh, uh the first one so much i still i can't remember what the original story was there was um i know peter Dinklage was there he's not there anymore <laughs> yeah. uh and there was a a, a robot uh that was Traveling, maybe back in time. She wasn't in this one. And <laughs> traveler, be traveling. And then we f- we fought the vex for some reason. And then mm-hmm. I got a gun at the end. I don't remember. I mean, they they've taken so many leaps since then. But I I I was uh, I-, I was kind of surprised. Like uh, I walked up to you know like uh, you're walking the tower, and you're like, is that Nathan Fillion talking to you? It's like what 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 is that Gina Torrent? What and they're they're not in the, the actual story. They're not in any of the cutscenes. And so they started um, you know, with the Taken King I thought was a very like a lot stronger in that you knew who the bad guy was. Like you could name him. His name is Oryx, I still remember. Uh and um like there was there that there were stakes that you could feel, and they they tried to ramp that up in in Destiny Two. I still think that they've got um they got a little ways to go, but I really think that uh, they got a lot of potential to tell some great stories in that space. And um, I liked that they actually used their talent. <laughs> I love those guys. I love Firefly. Um, I, I really dig that they've got so many awesome uh actors involved in this and I'm glad that they put them front and center uh and and made them the focal point of the story but the really cool thing that I really like is the side missions that you play that reveal um backstory for the side characters like especially the failsafe uh, side missions because like that characters uh I guess AI uh it's it's a it's fascinating how uh you go through um the progression when you when you unlock that stuff and and it's just amazing like the bar was so low and now they're kind of just leaping over it in things like like little increments um the same thing with the public events i mean now i can wait i can i don't need to go on a website to check out when this public event's gonna happen i could actually do it in the video game that's amazing (laughs) i can't believe they did that you know Maps. Yeah. Who knew? How do they work, right? So <laughs> so uh, I, I really like that they seem to be listening to to their user base and seeing, oh well someone developed this tool. Maybe we should maybe we should actually show how the mechanism works a little bit more. Cause I think they really wanted to have that mystery in the first game, but it might have backfired on them because you have this mystery balanced with how much grinding you need to do. And so everyone would try to, you know, the uh, quote unquote cheese cheese a lot of the game because of how brutal it was. So now they're trying to find this balancing act between like, between mystery and between the grind because those two elements are c- c- can be opposed to each other at times, especially in the end game. But yeah, I really I'm really excited for it. I'm going to keep playing it, and I'm not going to look at my hour count as much as I, <laughs> yeah and,
1: Keep your head down. Don't look at that hour Yeah, count. Just
2: just point point the gun, fire and use my super eventually.
1: Christian, anything else you wanted to say about Destiny 2 before we move on?
0: It's real good. It's real good and I'm streaming a lot of it so you should follow me there and hang out and we should play more. Uh I'll stop watching Narco season 3. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no that was not cool that you were on Having family time with TV. Uh, I will just briefly talk about playing Nightfall last night, which um, – man, I, I hate that I'm the guy that says negative stuff about this game because I really do like it a lot, and uh, much more than I like the first one, and I'm, I'm playing a heck of a, a lot of it. But uh, boy, did I not enjoy Nightfall. <laughs> um, I already ranted about clocks and countdown timers in games. I, I despise them. I have almost never seen one work well. Um and uh, this is completely arbitrary. It feels not fun, and uh, and it's also not fun to get all the way to the end of the thing and then just get <laughs> murdered by a giant spinning wheel of death over and over. And as the timer ticks down, and then you're like, okay, well, I guess we got to do all of this over again. So anyway, I, my first experience with Nightfall was not super positive, but I will, I'm sure, conquer it and have. It's
2: fun. a controversial decision. I mean, it changes, it changes the mechanics a lot. I mean, instead of, you know, you're not focused on combat anymore. I mean, you're focused on running through the level. You're skipping encounters. You're yeah. skipping basically the things that. But you get time by yeah, killing. See, see, so yeah, you're right. But, um, but the way to that. You get time by jumping through hoops, literally <laughs> jumping through hoops. <laughs> I, I really, I, I, it clicked for me when we were 30 seconds away from, from losing and we were, we were getting killed left, right and center. And, um, and finally someone, uh, managed to get the final shot on the boss and we were just, yes. Oh my God. That was amazing. So, so I, I get the feel for it. Um, I just wonder if they're going to do that for, for every nightfall. It does change things up uh, a fair bit and it's something that you're not really used to. Um, I get why people aren't fans of it, but, um, i think i'm i'm okay with it for now ask me next week when the next one and i might have a different answer for you
1: all right um let's uh let's move on there are other games in fact there are tons of other games but i do need to thank uh our sponsor speaking of tons of other games The way to play tons of other games is Gamefly. Gamefly lets you rent games. You pay uh, a monthly fee and you rent games and you keep them as long as you want. There's never any shipping costs. Uh, There's never any late fees. It lets you play more games and actually watch more movies too. They have movies now. They have over 9,000 titles to choose from. You can try your favorite games and choose to buy them if you want to keep them forever. Or just play them as long as you want and send them back when you're done. You can cancel any time. It's super easy. Christian, I know you are a big fan of this service.
0: I currently have Dishonored, uh, the new Dishonored standalone expansion sitting in my Xbox One, thanks to Gamefly. Yeah.
1: Very, very cool. Gamefly.com slash DLC2. That's the number two. Gamefly.com slash DLC, the number two, gets you a free premium 30-day trial. That means you could check out two games or movies at a time, Check it out. 30 days for free. Why not? Why not play a couple of games you weren't going to be able to play anyway for free on us? Gamefly.com slash DLC two. sign up and play more games. All right, Christian. I'm definitely very interested to hear your take on Metroid Samus Returns. Um, there are so many games right now that legitimately make make a, a claim on game of the year. Uh, it sounds like for many people, Metroid is in that category. I just did a quick list of the games in twenty seventeen <laughs> that legit legit have a, a a real shot. Any other year probably would run away with with Game of the Year. Ready for this? Yeah. Resident Evil Seven, Breath of the Wild, Horizon Zero Dawn, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Destiny Two, Persona Five, Near Automata, Neo, Injustice Two. Mario plus Rabbids, Uncharted Lost Legacy, Splatoon 2, Metroid. And here are the unreleased ones that I think probably will make a claim for that. Star Wars Battlefront 2, Shadow of War, Mario Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Origins, South Park, Wolfenstein 2. What a year! And that's not even – that doesn't even talk about – indies that doesn't even talk about smaller games that have made a big splash that's just like the big gigantic AAA games that are like shooting for game of the year what a crazy year anyway that's all prelude for you to tell me about metroid
0: (laughs) it's really good it's it's really really good uh we had aaron rouse on a few weeks ago he had an early copy of it and he was raving about it then and it's awesome um they've made the shift to like polygonal graphics but it's still very much a 2d metroid game and the art style i think it looks great I, I really love the animations the way samus runs and the way she she jumps and the last game the literal last game i played on my 3ds was metroid 2 though you know what this samus returns is an update from and i'm not the most versed person in metroid 2 ever but i've beaten it at least twice right like once when i was a wee pup and now when i'm still a wee pup who just turned 21 um and playing through Samus Returns, it, it doesn't feel familiar. Like, there are a few moments where I'm like, oh, that's this up. Cool. But the, to me, the map feels better or bigger. The world uh, is just so beautiful. And I think if you view Samus Returns as just a remake or, you know, quote-unquote HD port or something like that of Metroid 2, you're doing yourself a disservice. And if you're a fan of that 2D Metroid-style game, Super Metroid uh, especially, it's so easy to recommend Samus Returns. Um i'm i'm only maybe like three hours into it because my problem is i tweeted this out the other day where i'm like me let's play this new dishonored destiny 2 yeah uh-huh sure me i'll play some more samus returns tonight destiny 2 ha 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 and then i play destiny 2 um but it's it's, it's really good it, it, it the 3d jeff it's amazing yeah absolutely amazing like the game looks great flat like if you have a 2ds it's still worth playing but but the 3D gives the world and the environment such an awesome depth. And, you know, I love my three dizzles. Yeah, it's if you love Super Metroid, or you like Super Metroid. It's so easy to recommend Samus Returns. You're getting uh, powers at a quick pace as you start unlocking things. But you, you think I'm like, oh, I have everything. I'm going to roll through this game, and I'm you know whatever. I said three hours in and maybe eight percent complete. So it is not it is not a short game by any stretch of the imagination. But it's <sighs> awesome.
1: Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I could fit in. More awesome stuff. The, well, what else is, are you
0: playing that's that's taking your time?
1: <sighs> Divinity Original Sin 2, Christian. Divinity Original Sin, the first one, was my game of year in 2014. And this this series, it's like on Newest Latest Best, my my daily show that you can find on iTunes um, is there was a, somebody who sent in a, a a call-in question saying, Jeff, if you could design your perfect game, what would it be? And I struggled with that, and I said I hem and hawed because like, I like these things. I like third person. I like action-y. I like turn-based. The answer is Divinity Original Sin. It It, it is really the reason I fell in love with video games. It, it, it is a throwback to everything I loved when I was a kid – on a PC playing in a magical fantasy world that seemed endless and bottomless and full of wonders to be discovered. That is the, I love top down isometric perspective. I love turn-based action, uh, uh, turn-based combat. I love, uh, Party management. I love inventory management. I like getting new stuff. I like crafting things. I like having conversations with characters. I like exploring. It is everything I love. It is, it is like a love letter to me. <laughs> it feels like the game I would make uh, if I was going to design any game. And Divinity Original Sin 2 does everything it does, but with like a big budget. Now they've got a budget because the first game was a hit and everything they're doing is better. The graphics are better. The world is bigger. There's more stuff going on. There are more playable characters, more origin tales. The writing in this game is second to none. And they've done something really extraordinary for a game like this too, because now they have some money to play with. Every single piece of text in this game is voice acted. Everything. There's a narrator who narrates the, the, just the things happening to you. Every character has a voice. And in games like this that try this, chances are the voice acting is pretty uneven. Usually with a game as big and broad and deep as this game with hundreds and hundreds of playable characters, invariably, it's kind of crappy. Right, Because there's so many hundreds of hours of dialogue that they have to record that you end up – I mean even Bethesda games, I have to be honest, side character missions stuff, it feels like some people are kind of phoning it in sometimes. I cannot believe how good the voice acting is in Divinity Original Sin 2. I cannot believe it. It is so excellent and it improves the game in such a big way for me. Uh, I mean, I love the game anyway, just reading the text, but having the the acted out flavor of what people are saying, I in fact, am taking my eyes off the text, which I never do in these games. I usually read ahead or whatever and skip the the voice acting sometimes. I'm taking my eyes off it and just letting it be an audiobook for me uh, and and like just looking at the environment while people are talking to me. The voice acting is incredible. I'm really blown away. And I have a very high bar for that because it's something I really pay a lot of attention to. Um, and then the game itself is just incredibly magical. It has wonderful sense of humor. It has beautiful little character moments. It has these great origin stories of all of the characters that you can choose. So you can create your own character from scratch, creating it from the awesome number of Starting classes that you can pick, which is really hard actually to make that decision at the beginning of the game because there's really cool stuff. There's like Transmorph, which like to let you change yourself and other people into animals, and there's uh, Inquisitor, which is like a necromancer hybrid class. There's Battle Mage and all these cool hybrid classes. Anyway, you can select, create your own character. Or you can pick one of, I think, like six different um, origin characters that have specific dialogue, specific voice acting, and a specific tale to tell. And you want to talk about storytelling in video games, Christian? You want to talk about setting up a story? You click on any one of these characters and it says, tell me their backstory. And they provide a clear, crisp, easy way into their narrative that has nothing to do with lore. It's like... You know, it tells you that very clear starting point from what this character is. I was wronged or uh, my ship crash landed and now I'm ab- abandoned or whatever it is. And it's all really unique to that character. But the coolest part is you se- if you select one of those, the other ones are the NPCs that can join your party. So you don't miss out on their stories Because you can have them join your party later on in the game world, and you've already sort of become familiar with what's going on with them because you listened to their origin stories when you were trying to decide which character to play. Very, very smart way of doing it, I think. Um, The game supports a controller if you want to play on PC, uh, although it frustrates me that you, you have to pick that at the start screen. And it shuts off your keyboard and mouse. So you can't go back and forth, which I wish it allowed me to do because I would love to control my character directly instead of pointing and clicking where they move um, with the controller and spin the camera around with the analog stick. All that stuff is very fun. And then click on icons with my mouse if I want to but you can't do that hybrid. And that's very frustrating. So I've just been sticking with keyboard and mouse because it's a little bit better.
0: I think uh, I know why with Destiny 2 and uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 that your son decided to walk this week. I think he had to finally walk over to get your attention. And yeah, he's it.
1: walked and he has not uh, not come back. I just haven't noticed where he went. Uh, I hope he finds his way home someday. But What's his light level? Yeah, that's the question he won't answer, by the way. Mm. It's pathetic. He's like a level Is he even two. voice acted yet? He's not. His voice acting is really terrible. He's never gonna it's know really how to unlock
2: the heroic events, man. History. He says
1: he can say ball, but that's all the voice. It's like somebody phoned it in. Congratulations. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, um you can tell I love this game. I'll talk about it more because I'm I'm I played for six hours. And then I realized I wanted to have a different constitution. Oh, the other cool thing it does, when you bring characters into your party, at that moment, you can decide what class they are. So they can be any – you can constitute your party however you want. A lot of games, you know, if you want to pick the – whatever, the 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 girl from planet whatever, she's a rogue and you have to – that's – if you want a rogue, you pick the girl from planet whatever. If you want a fighter, you pick the girl from Earth, you know, whatever. Um. So – you you pick you pick your NPCs based on the constitution of the party that you want or whatever. In this game, you can they can be whatever class you want them to be when you join your party. Anyway, so I played six hours, and then decided that I did, wanted a different constitution for my party, so I started over, and now I put in another ten hours on top of that. Um, it is, dude. The thing that's so magical about that game, there's a million different ways to accomplish the same goal. There are secrets waiting around every corner. There's lovely little flourishes. Of discovery to be found, um, I—I'll tell you one that's a bit of a spoiler, but it's a tiny little side quest thing, and it's very early in the game. And the game is hundreds of hours, so don't even stress. I wandered into the—I went into this cave. I won't tell you how or why, but uh, went into this cave, and there were some little kids playing in there, and they wanted to play hide and go seek. And so I used a dialogue option that was unique to my origin story character where he like plays along in a really fun way. And the ki- the kid is like, oh, you're, you're super fun. Let's play hide and go seek. See if you can find me. And so he runs away. I went over and found him. And then he takes an invisibility potion and runs away. And I was like, oh, that's more difficult, but I found him. And when I found him, he's like, oh, you're so fun. I want to introduce you to my friend. And he, and you're, you're like, okay, where's your friend? he's like, oh, he's through here. And it's a tiny little hole that he crawls through to get to a hidden area in the cave. Well, If I had picked the dwarf character, I would have been able to walk through that hole. But I can't because I'm too large. I'm not a dwarf. So he goes, oh, well, there's another way in. If you look around the corner and around the corner, there is this pile of dirt that he points out to me. Well, I don't have a shovel. If I had a shovel, I could dig that pile of dirt. But I do have a lizard in my party. And the lizard can dig in dirt without a shovel. So he digs and he finds a, a hatch. I go down that hatch. And there's this cave and the little boy is down there. And he's like, hey, thanks for coming down here. I want to introduce you to my friend. And his friend is this undead knight that's been stuck down in this cave for a thousand years with a spear shoved through his chest into the wall. And he's like, oh, thank you for finding me. Can you take the spear out? And I try to pull the spear out and it won't budge and it won't budge. And I'm trying to figure out how to pull the spear out. And I realize, oh, if I just up my strength modifier – I can do it. So I select my fighter character who has high strength. He pulls out the, the thing, frees the guy, and then it leads to his whole quest. But that's the kind of magical discovery that you can find in a game like this. And that's just a tiny little moment. And there's hundreds and hundreds of those just in the first few hours of this game. I love it.
2: I, uh, I've uh i been really into, um, I've been really interested in this, in this game and you just made me really excited to play it. Um, I played the first Divinity for a, a few hours before I, I kind of dropped off um, because I, I've never... I, I haven't played uh, too many isometric RPGs or anything like that. So I, I'd want it... I was really interested to ask you, Jeff, um, for somebody like me who wants to get into this type of genre and get into specifically Divinity 2, what's like the most... What's the most important things I should know and maybe what's the most important things I I should worry about so I don't get overwhelmed when I first start? Because they throw a lot at you, if I they remember do. correctly, at the start. So I'm really curious to see what your thoughts are on that. That's a great question. Uh, I would say um,
1: – well, the first thing that for this game in particular, the first thing I would suggest to anybody who's starting in the game with a, a new character is – Make sure you have the Pet Pal perk. <laughs> you can start a character with Pet Pal. Pet Pal lets you talk to animals. And there are so many awesome quests that come from being able to talk to animals in this game. If you don't have that, you just miss out on all of them. And there are so much fun, <laughs> ridiculous brilliant. things. So pick Pet Pal in this game. In these games in general, they can be overwhelming because you're asked and – and this really bugs me about role-playing games in general. When they ask you to select a starting class – and you're like, I don't have any context for what's going to be needed in this game. I don't know. Honestly, play through uh, an hour or two. Just pick the class that sounds the coolest to you. Play through an hour or two and then feel free to restart like I did if you end up wanting something else. Also, feel free to play on a lower difficulty level if the game's kicking your butt because it can be pretty challenging in uh, in uh, combat situations. It, I don't know. I I think uh, be observant, take your time, talk to people, listen. Uh, I think actually this game having full voice acting is going to open it up to a lot more players that don't have patience to read as much as you need to in these games. Most of the time and listening to the great voice acting in this game, I think probably would open it up, but um, give it a shot, man. It, It is truly a special, special game. It's made with a lot of love. You can tell like every character is interesting. I mean, there's a moment in this game that doesn't affect any part of gameplay, but you can literally find a woman on the beach who lost her family and you can just sit down next to her and listen to her, tell her story of what her family was like when they were alive. And at the end of it, she's crying and she's like, thank you so much for just listening to me. And that's the end. That's it. That's the, the entire interaction that you've had with that person. It's amazing. It's amazing. Dude, this game is amazing.
2: You've yeah. I, I think I might pick that up on that recommendation. Um, if I, and I think it's only forty bucks. It's not a full priced game. It's it's less. I think it's only forty. So um. I really think we've been spoiled this year. I mean, just going back to what you've been saying. I mean, I think this might be the best year we've had ever for games. Like we can talk about that a bit later. Yeah. but I um, that
1: list that I read off certainly attests to that, right? Yeah,
2: I mean, everybody cites. Uh, so 98 when Metal Gear Solid and, uh, Zelda, Ocarina of Time and, um, Half Life came out. That was huge. But I mean, the difference is this year, I mean, you have something for everybody. I mean, you have incredible, an incredible horror game. You have an incredible open world game in Zelda and you have a Mario game that's going to come out that's probably going to be amazing. You have one of the best multiplayer shooters, uh, PC shooters that, that has been out in the last 5-10 years then you have Destiny 2 that just came out and you have uh Nier which does things narratively in games that I've never seen before and it's just absolutely brilliant so I could just go on and on but man yeah. I don't have it's, enough time for all this stuff I wish I did that's
1: the problem right that's the big problem is where does somebody find the time Um, I also want to talk briefly, I went to a Bethesda event uh, this week. I talked about it on newest, latest, best. So if you want to hear me talk in detail about more of those games, uh, there's several I can't talk about yet, uh, but we'll be able to talk about uh, in in coming weeks. But I did get to play Skyrim on the switch, which um, I was very impressed with. It it is very playable on the switch. It is uh, really pretty. It's the sort of upgraded version, the game of the year version that they put out that had the better shaders and stuff. And uh, it's real playable. It's really good. Um, and I think it's amazing to be able to play a game of that size and scope on a handheld. It's, it's pretty remarkable. So uh, I was impressed. Uh, all right, guys. Um, I know we're already running long. I really wanted to do tabletop time and VR oh, VR talk. I got to play VR games. That's a thing, too. Um, let's quickly do a tabletop time because uh, – I wanted to I wanna talk about a couple of things. All right, so here we go. Tabletop time. But first, I do need to thank our final sponsor, which is Mac Weldon. I have a confession to make, and I wonder how, how many of you have the same issue. Uh I have in my life walked around with holes in my underwear. Yes, I'm not proud of it, but it's because I'm lazy and I don't want to go to the store and buy new underwear. I can wear another this pair of boxers. Yeah, they got a hole in them. Hole in the crotch. It's not comfortable. But you know what? I'm, I'm busy. I got games to play. I got stuff to do. I'm not going to go buy new underwear. Mac Weldon has got your back. It's got your backside and it's got your back. Because Mac Weldon lets you buy high quality basics. Undergarments, t-shirts, underpants, even sweats and hoodies. Uh, you can buy them Online, get them delivered right to your door very easily, and these are really, really good stuff. This is antimicrobial stuff that eliminates odor for you, and they 're comfortable my favorite my favorite boxers that I own are my mac weldons and if I ever have to go anywhere where i 'm going to be walking around a lot i 'm definitely reaching for those Mac Weldon boxers because they are the best, the most comfortable they 're not going to give me a problem and they 're not going to stank, which is important. And, you know, so why not upgrade yourself, get out of those whole infested underpants and get yourself some new ones. We will actually give you 25, uh, excuse me, 20% off your order by going to MacWeldon.com and using our promo code DLC. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code DLC when you check out, 20% off. It's pretty great. Check it out. Upgrade yourself, make you feel better, smell better, look better. Right now, right now. All right, uh, Brandon, you uh, listed here a couple of uh, board games you've played, including Anomia, which I've uh, heard really good things about. It's a fun kind of party game,
2: right? It is one of the most ridiculous and fun games, party games I've ever played. Um, it's all about um, your left brain and your right brain fighting each other, and you saying completely ridiculous things. So, so how it works is um, you have a card in front of you, and you have a uh, and everyone goes around the table and draws a card. Now, on the card is a shape and a subject. So, what you have to do. Is If you see someone with the same shape as you, you have to say uh, something that is uh, in the person, the cardholder, uh, in their subject. So it could be something like um, uh, a sport or uh, cereal or tea. Uh, but the thing is, um, the way your brain works, the shape recognition side and the word side are fighting each other the whole time. So you get examples of people thinking a comic book character is uh, starchy, which is not a thing at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you just you can com- you either get tongue tied or you're uh, or or you're just completely saying the wrong word, and it is just hilarious. So it's like
1: it's like categories, but you're you're sabotaging yourself. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: If you if you don't want to say embarrassing things, you probably should stay away from it but it is uh absolutely a a blast uh i I got married in uh january in cuba with um and it it says like a small destination wedding um and we we basically uh drove everyone away from the communal bungalow we were at because the whole wedding party was just screaming out like um uh uh uh, earl gray uh, basketball or <laughs> basketball. No, oh, that's terrible. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an absolute fun time. If if you have a group that, uh, you kind of want to break the ice with at a party, uh, and kind of loosen everybody up. It's, it's phenomenal.
1: Again, it's called anomia. Uh, and, uh, yeah,
2: that sounds great. And you also played, uh, family feud. Yes. The late 1970s edition. Uh, <laughs> awesome. so at the same, at the same, uh, uh, the same wedding, we were, uh, uh, we, uh, have a good friend of ours who, who has all these vintage board games. So we were actually playing family feud the, um, well, first we tried, uh, the bride and groom side, and then we just decided to go cities versus each other. Um, but the funny thing is, I mean, you have to think not only what the most popular answers would be or what the what the most popular answer would be in the 1970s like famous actors like you know who who would they be like Robert Redford um uh you know um Elizabeth Taylor this was right before Star Wars that's came amazing. out so none of the Star Wars actors were in there it was it was absolutely hilarious it's like it's like
1: trying to uh yeah trying to put yourself in that time period to figure out what people would have said then what a cool way to play that that's
2: it was it was really interesting because yeah you not only had to you had to basically go and go do it have a time machine and think okay what what did they like back then what was even around back then um what technology was there and uh yeah that was <laughs> if you could find a copy of it I don't know where he got it uh probably at a vintage store or something like I would yeah, I recommend pick it up later. yeah because that was that was a pretty interesting thing to do
1: it's awesome. Um, I have, it's been a while since we've done tabletop time. I have a whole bunch of games I've played in the interim, but I just want to focus on one because it's something you probably should be aware of because it's going to be on Kickstarter, I think in a week or two, I think in a week. Um, and you may want to get in on it. So I want to bring it to your attention if you're not aware, uh, listeners, uh, it's called the 7th continent it's a game i missed the first time it was on kickstarter and uh, i contacted the the designer and uh, i'm so pleased that they sent me a copy because uh this game's pretty amazing uh it's not it's a it's a really bold brash concept the idea is it's a cooperative adventure game set on a on a continent and you literally can explore this continent and do almost anything you can imagine the 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 way it can account for so much is a little overwhelming. It was a little overwhelming uh, to my wife when we tried to play it last night. Uh, I'm going to be playing lots more of this in the next few weeks, and I'll probably bring it up again on the show or certainly on Newest, Latest, Best. Um, but I thought I'd bring it up here because I know people might want get, to get a chance to buy it. It sounds like they're never putting it out in stores and that it will only be available in these periodic Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, and it is a massive box. It comes with hundreds and hundreds of these square cards that do a variety of different functions. And you pick uh, a character. There are a bunch of different characters you can pick. And it's set in the sort of the turn of the century, uh, 1900. It's got a sort of a Cthulhu-y vibe, I guess a little bit, but that's not overt. But you're these, uh, adventurers that are going to this, uh, island or this continent that's adjacent to Antarctica. And exploring it, and you start on a card that shows you a, a bit of a map of the area, and it offers you various uh, actions that you can attempt on that card. And you can start exploring the cards around you, and you start finding new things. And there are different challenges to try to to, to uh, overcome. The way it does challenges is very clever. It's it's there's a deck of of what is basically your energy. And when that deck is, is exhausted, the potential to lose the game happens. But there are ways to replenish that deck, like eating food, finding food, preparing food, and eating food actually lets you take cards from your discard and put them back into that deck so that you aren't getting any closer to losing the game. And those cards uh, allow you – those cards, that, those energy cards, as you use them, they actually give you ideas, Ideas for things in the game, like the idea of uh, a raft. And once you have the idea of a raft, you can craft that raft out of components that you find in the game world or weapons or whatever you you want. But the game is is not really about combat per se. It's about exploration. And it is – they kind of talk about it like an old-school video game adventure game. There are uh, hundreds of – not hundreds – there are There are hundreds of cards to discover, all of them interconnected in a mind boggling way, and they say it's about twenty hours of gameplay here of things to discover and there's a save system that lets you save your game from session to session, so you don't have to do all twenty hours in one sitting, but it is of this new kind of board game that is is kind of a one time through situation where you're discovering things, you're solving puzzles, you're uh, figuring things out. The goal of the game is to get rid of this curse. And there are several different curses in the game that you can start with. And each of them has a clue on them to try to help you get rid of the curse. And you'll be doing figuring things out and putting things together. I've just played the very, very beginning scenario of it with my wife. She was a little frustrated with how complex it was because there are literally dozens of things you can do on any given turn and uh so it's not for everybody but i was really really impressed with this game and i'm excited to play more of it and the kickstarter i think goes live on the 26th or the 28th or something so if you want to be uh, if you're curious about it you should check it out i mean i'm not you know am not trying to sell this to you but i i just am i know it's hard to get and it's a pretty amazing game seventh continent is what it's called all right, let's wrap things up. Uh, it's been a long, wild ride this week, and I appreciate you guys sticking with us throughout. Uh, we do have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But Brandon Hicks, thank you so much for being here, sir. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks very much for having me, guys. Uh, I've had a, have a had a fantastic time. Uh, really enjoyed the discussion.
1: Well, you are welcome back anytime. It's been a, it's been a blast having you. Please tell people where they can find out about Maze and Finish Line Games and you and anything else you'd like to plug.
2: Absolutely. Um, I, uh, uh you can find us, uh, at, uh, at Finish Line Games on Twitter. Uh, we've got, uh, you got some pretty fun stuff there and our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Finish Line Games. If you want to go to the website, it's maze.finishlinegames.com. And, uh, again, uh, maze is available on ps4 xbox one and also on pc uh, on steam humble store and gog and uh, before we sign off um i promised a, a good friend of mine that i'd give him a shout out he's a big fan of dlc and of um we have concerns his name's brad firminger um he's actually uh one of the lead designers on eternal darkness back in the day uh oh and, wow uh, that's cool he uh, he's a, one, a researcher um with uh uh, um, not uh, he works with the Out of the Park team, but on uh, franchise hockey manager as a researcher now. But the thing he does uh, right now is he uh, he's a game development and game design uh, professor uh, at a couple of colleges in Toronto. Amazing dude! Um, and Brad, I know you're listening, so um, I'm just gonna say that the Detroit Red Wings are terrible.
1: <laughs> uh, one hand giveth, the other taketh away. To. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening to, the, to our stuff, Brad. We really appreciate that. It's awesome um Christian how about you what do you got going on this week
0: well I just like thinking that Brad turned this week's episode off like part way through our uh copyright <laughs> discussion and <some> <laughs> like I listened every week this week I just can't take it and then turned it off <laughs> um this is far away but I just got it confirmed so I'm excited I'll be at Wise Guys in Salt Lake City on December 14th through 17th with Justin Willman who you might know from Ellen The Tonight Show uh he's incredible he also had a uh, uh, hour-long special on Comedy Central. So I'm excited about that. It's December 14th through 17th, and then closer to today, next weekend, I will be the 29th and 30th. I will be at the Comedy Store in La Jolla and San Diego. So those are some out of L.A. dates. And then um, subscribe or follow me on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. A lot of Destiny stuff going up right now. And then also over on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer, the number 713. I have my Destiny 2 campaign review video up. And once I get through Metroid Samus Returns, I'll be making one for that as well. Jeff, what about you?
1: Oh, you can always listen to me talk about games every single day on newest, latest, best. Uh, it's a great show. People sending in content, sending in, uh, questions it's really fun. It's a great back and forth with the audience. I hope you guys give it a shot. It's only 10 minutes a day and it's at, uh, anchor.fm slash NLB or on your iTunes, your Google play music, anywhere you get podcasts. It's called newest, latest, best. I also do the, we have concerns, the, uh, the comedy science show and the Slash Filmcast, which is about movies and TV shows. You can find those at wehaveconcerns.com and slash filmcast.com respectively. Alright, guys, let's wrap this puppy up with a parting gift.
2: Hey, give us a suggestion. you have a suggestion to help people get through their week i absolutely do um uh another uh group that i'm a big uh big fan of is uh anything the mcelroy brothers do and i know they've they've been on the show here before um love yeah, those guys they're, they're fantastic um my brother my brother and me monster factory uh they're hilarious but Uh, the, the thing that they, they do that I want to bring up, uh, is probably one of the best pieces of fiction I have, I've experienced in in a, in a while. And it's called the adventure zone. Um, it's just, uh, it starts off and it's just a podcast that they started, uh, the three brothers with their dad, uh, and they're playing dungeons and dragons and it turns into so much more. Um, the, the the way that they play off of each other is, is phenomenal, but uh, there's a certain point in the campaign where they all, I th- they all realize something. They, they have something extremely special. And the story that they craft around this campaign is something that you just, it's just phenomenal to experience. Uh, and it's a three year long campaign. Griffin is the the DM and he kind of crafts the story and kind of has to Weave and Bob as, uh, uh, the two brothers and their dad, um, uh, talk, uh, uh kind of, uh, interact with it and go along with it um and it uh the first campaign just ended and i'm kind of scared to play the finale because i really <laughs> i really love this this uh show uh they're not done they're gonna be making something new so this is actually a perfect time if you want to jump on to the new campaign that they're gonna do or if you want to start the uh uh the campaign from from the start um, because. Trust me, I uh, I know it's a it's it's a lot of hours to listen to, but it's it's well worth it. It is phenomenal, and you can listen to it while you're playing Destiny too. So, yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. I am absolutely in love with it. And the Adventure Zone has objectively, objectively, the greatest theme song of any podcast yes, in the absolutely. world. Absolutely, there is no podcast that even remotely touches how. Perfect, wonderful, and masterful—the Ad- Ad- Adventure Zone's theme
0: song is written by yeah. Griffin. I think uh, I've never heard it in a Red Bull commercial. <laughs> so,
2: can you unlock uh, exotics with it? Or uh, it's, <laughs> it's uh, their entire uh, their entire soundtrack is is amazing. Griffin does some of it, I think, and uh, they, they have um, contributors as well. But the really interesting thing too is that I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. This is one of the things that I am really regret regretted not doing and i've played video games for for two decades or almost three decades now never played this this is my first time actually experiencing a campaign in any sort and i think it's a really cool way for people who don't or who are kind of overwhelmed by maybe doing a tabletop uh, session with dungeons D to get their feet wet i know it's not uh not a traditional a lot of, like, there's criticism that it's, you know, it's it's a non-traditional like campaign, but I think that's what makes it even more special cuz they kind of mold the the rules to fit what they're doing. And if you're interested in D&D and you don't really have the time to uh start a campaign up or or coordinate with people, this is a great way to experience Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. I I cannot recommend it more for that reason as well. Again, it's called The
1: Adventure Zone. Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift?
2: I've mentioned them on here before.
0: Uh, the Front Bottoms is a band that I, I love and adore, and they have a new album coming out October 13th called Going Gray, and they're also uh, beginning, they're just started or going on a North American tour, so go see them live if and when you can. Again, the band is The Front Bottoms. The new album will be called Going Gray.
1: I have to recommend Mother, exclamation point, which is Darren Aronofsky's new film. We'll be talking about it in depth on the Slash Film cast uh, when we record that episode, I think tomorrow. And it made almost no money at the box office, made $8 million. So no one has seen it. So chances are, if you're listening to this, you have not seen it. Go see it. It will affect you. It will do things to you. Uh, Whether you hate it or love it, I happened to love it. it. It changed my view of the world. It is an incredible piece of art and uh it is unlike anything you've ever seen. It it works in allegory and it it lives in this place of absurdity and magic and it is crazy and intense and wild and special. Uh so it's it's not a movie like any other. A lot of people hate it. I think it got an F on Something <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. It's audience. Really, it's audience, audience square. square yeah, is like F.
0: And F. yeah.
1: And it will be a movie that people will be talking about in 20 and 30 years from now because it's not it's, it's just like people hated the original Blade Runner when it came out. Uh It is special. So go see it. Mother exclamation point. All right, that is it for this episode of DLC. What an episode it was. Uh, Thank you so much, Brendan Hicks and Christian Spicer, for hanging out with me. Uh, Thanks to everybody in the chat room for hanging out with all of us. We appreciate it. You guys make the show better in real time, and uh, and I'm so grateful for that. Also, thanks to all of you that download the show. We couldn't be here without you. So thanks so much for interacting and sending us feedback and listening to the show and telling your friends about it. It means a lot to us. Thanks to our our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.